my perspective and what kind of company am I going to build was around, okay, we need to create better jobs. What is the business model along the long-term care spectrum where there's either enough profit margin to be able to pass back some of that to caregiver wages or where can I create operational efficiency uh, through technology? You're listening to Bridge the Gap Season 5, a podcast dedicated to informing, educating, and influencing the future of housing and services for seniors. This season is powered by sponsors AccuShield, Inquire, One Day, LTC REIT, It's Never Too Late, Meridian Capital, Salinity, and The Bridge Group Construction. Welcome to Bridge the Gap Podcast, the Senior Living Podcast with Josh and Lucas. This is an episode with a great friend of ours, Rafi Sapphire. She is the CEO of Homestay Senior Living. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy that this is finally coming <laughs> to fruition. Uh, you and I have uh, known each other for a year or so, maybe a little bit more, and um, I've been fascinated to see your journey. And there's a number of things that I, I think that, um, that as your journey has progressed uh, that I've really admired. So uh, you are trying to tackle a very big problem in aging. And uh, so aging and attainable housing and um, places that older adults live is a massive variety. And you're not going for a 500 bed campus, you're going for residential care homes. So tell us about, first let's start with your background, which is very untraditional pathway to senior housing. Um, you're a young entrepreneur at this. And so, um, I think our listeners would be really fascinated to hear about how you got here. Yeah. So I started my career in finance and investment banking, and then I moved into venture capital. And while I was a venture capitalist, I was investing in senior care software. So I learned a lot about the industry from talking to operators, discharge planners, care coordinators during diligence of some of the companies sure. that I was looking at. Um, and then, so that's when I first learned about the, the market and uh, that always stayed with me. I ended up, I was also investing in crypto. So I ended up joining a crypto startup, uh, employee number two. <laughs> I feel like that's a whole other episode, just talking about crypto. Totally. It is a whole, <laughs> it is a whole cat life of mine. Um, but it was really fun. So kind of started when it was, Four of us, we did the whole, they took ICO experience, uh, really fun. But at the end of the day, I was not super passionate about like the middleware technology that that uh, company was building. Um, and in parallel, I was navigating care for my grandparents. And so they live in South Africa and we were seeing if there was anywhere, I'm from Houston, which is where we are today. And I was seeing if there was like kind of helping my family figure out what are our options here? And I became really disappointed by like what you get for what you pay for. And as I tend to do, I kind of went down a rabbit hole of being like, okay, well, <laughs> I've got to figure out where the money's going. And I ended up leaving my job in December of 2019, of course, leading up to the world changing with COVID. Sure. Certainly shone a spotlight on senior living and senior housing. Um, but I spent about six months figuring out what type of company I was going to build. I didn't know if I was going to build a software company, a home care company. Um, I applied for 20 caregiver jobs. I was on BizBuy and LoopNet, like okay. pretending to buy home care agencies and assisted living facilities to like understand the P&L, do diligence, 
due diligence. I worked as a caregiver in a care home. And where I oriented around, uh, so I think a lot of us know the senior population is doubling from 44 million to 89 million people. People Incredible demographics. mm -hmm, And people are now living 15 years longer than they did 20 years ago. And already today, and this was pre-pandemic, caregivers were the number one most in-demand job in America. Mm. And so when I, my perspective and what kind of company am I going to build was around, okay, we need to create better jobs. What is the business model along the long-term care spectrum where there's either enough profit margin to be able to pass back some of that to caregiver wages, or where can I create operational efficiency uh, through technology to reduce those expenses and again, like be able to uh, create great jobs. And through that exploration, I landed on residential care homes, which is an $11 billion market. There's 30,000 of them in the U.S. And I would say the majority are mom and pop, one or two uh, owner-operated. 30,000 residential care homes, $11 billion marketplace. Have you seen, um, is it very fragmented? Is that industry even really well represented? What's I mean, like, what's the pulse? I don't really know much about that um, That part of the senior care marketplace. Enlighten us. Yeah. When you say well-represented, what do you mean? Like, from an association standpoint, or is, is, is it kind of the Wild West? Is everybody just kind of, like, doing their own thing? Totally. So, I, I, these started in the 80s, 90s. I guess people, seniors either couldn't afford bigger facilities or didn't want to leave their community started sharing homes with other people with like often nurses doctors who were getting close to retirement are the ones who um like kind of started operating these when you come across okay. uh, owner operators who've been doing this a long time they tend to have come from that caregiving field in some way mm-hmm. um and then they became regulated over time so at first they were not and now every state has a name for what whether it's board and care okay. or in California it's an RCFE um, here it's a small assisted living facility so but ultimately what it is is you take a residential home and you convert it so that uh, anywhere from two to sixteen people live together and it's an alternative to well it's a submarket of assisted living so it's for people who need twenty four seven care with not for non-medical care uh, activities of daily living, bathing, toileting, might have incontinence, meals, med management. Um, And it also is an alternative to, let's say you can't afford private home care. Well, instead of being in a big facility with 40 plus people where the caregiver ratio might be one caregiver to 20 people, you can be in a home where you're essentially splitting the cost of private care with four to 12 people. And the ratio is one to four or one to five. So I find it fascinating. Um, just your journey of you just digging in. I remember a phone call mm-hmm. I'd asked you, I was like, how's it going? What are you up to? And you're like, you're like, yeah, um, I just took a job as a caregiver. And I was like, okay, Raffi's really in this for the right reason. She wants to learn this um, because that's not an easy job. What was that experience like? Yeah, I mean, it was incredible. The, the biggest thing, so having come from, you know, 
doing diligence in the ivory towers of venture capitalists, I heard time and time again about staffing shortages. And being in a home um, and working alongside caregivers, I just, like, the biggest takeaway was how much reverence I have for caregivers and how much I deeply am committed to creating great jobs. So for me, what drives me is I want to create thousands of great jobs for caregivers um, because they really are such an important backbone of the long-term care economy. So that's what really keeps me going. So that resonated with you deeply there. Um, and obviously with, with many of our listeners, um, the majority of them being you know larger operators that operate um, big, big communities, that resonates with them too. So where do you see the future? So there's a big disruption essentially in senior housing that was forced through COVID. And there's a lot of changing of hands. There's a lot of different procedures and protocols. Um, where do you see the residential home care marketplace as a standing in the overall senior housing spectrum? I guess I would say compared to even three, four years ago, where is it today? So I think it's becoming more and more popular, often driven by, oh, the, like the financial opportunity. Uh, these homes are pretty high cash flow, so once it's stabilized, uh, you're making 30 to 40% net operating income. So what's interesting is there's 30,000 of these. I would say the majority are offline, so don't have a website. If you call, they might probably don't answer the phone. Really? Okay. Because a mom-and-pop operator is you're managing everything around a small business, accounting, payroll, answering the phones, doing tours, dealing with staffing staffing shortages, all of these things. Um, it's really hard to answer the phone if somebody calls. So one of the opportunities that I really see in this market is there's a real opportunity, but at the same time, the, like in Austin, there's 60 care homes. The average vacancy rate is 15%, hmm. and the market price is 5200 So these are kind of a cottage industry, invisible in terms of like brand as brand a category, but they're full and people love them. And I see a real opportunity to kind of reinvent this as a category, as a distinct category, beside home care and assisted living um, and see an opportunity where in the same way when you're traveling here, oh, did you stay at a hotel? Oh, no, I sort of stayed in an Airbnb. That was, that's just a room that's converted into mm-hmm. um, a bedroom that you rent. I, I envision a world where when grandma falls, you're lucky enough to have a neighbor that says, oh, you should see if there's a homestay in your neighborhood. So really kind of defining what that category is Mm -hmm. and elevating kind of the look and feel of the homes with kind of a like beautiful like let's let's paint them let's invest in new furniture and also bring some of the resources that a bigger facility might have Mm -hmm. because you've got you can share the costs of a marketing person and activities director while at a cluster level of homes you can also have those resources and then allow operators on the house level to do what they do best, which is be loving, caring people for the residents in those homes. And we can take uh, care of some of the back end infrastructure for, for operators. 
So I'll use a word that Josh uses a lot, fascinating. Uh, so I, I can see this opportunity really, um, really taking root here. And I can see this, I guess, clash or collision with your background into this marketplace. Is, is this the direction? That's a good transition because is this the direction that you see where your trajectory is going in the marketplace? Is this what you're trying to build? Mm-hmm. Yes, I want to build a portfolio of care homes that are operated in the, in the homestay way. Um, and the benefit of that is that you have lower vacancy rates because there's actual market presence. Um, there's operational efficiencies through uh, sharing resources. Um, and ultimately, uh, the way that we operate these homes creates a better experience and also drives, uh, from, with my investor hat on, uh, higher revenue on a per bed basis than sure. it would if it was a mom and pop care home. So, um, do you see this going like, is this um, uh, like the Airbnb app or the Yelp app? Uh, I mean, do you see some kind of like a future where this looks similar to those things? Yeah, I've thought a lot about this. So the the business that I'm talking about has a real estate component, a care operations component, and a product and brand component. Um, and those are three very distinct sure. pieces. And what I've been trying to figure out is given the commitment and my personal drive around creating great jobs, how, but also balancing kind of owning the entire experience with being able to scale and reach as many families and create as many jobs as possible. What is the balance on which of those three mm-hmm. real estate care operations and product and brand do we need to own to, to get to that end point vision? Sure. Um, and so where I'm uh, orienting around is a franchise model where we run people through the home, homestay way. They can work at a homestay operated home. Um, And then when they're ready, we can lease them a home that is already licensed that they operate in the homestay way, but they're over like, that's an independent uh, operator leasing the property. um, And we're going to take a percentage of revenue from the top. Um, And we also provide the playbook so right. all the things, like nobody gets into this to deal with policies and procedures and like really crush it at how you... Sure. Uh, so They're having a hard time answering the phone. Yeah. Yeah. And so let us take, uh, let us help you with like giving you the playbook on the policies and procedures, marketing, accounting, uh, having answering the phones and uh, help you fill the beds and you focus on creating a great experience uh, and so that's how I can see it re- being really well suited sure. to that model. So um, you mentioned staffing and creating um, a really attractive place to come and work. What has been your experience of the caregivers or the staff that are coming into these residential care homes? Are they coming out of, of you know a 400-bed CCRC or are they coming out of the hospital system? Where are these workers coming from? I would say it's a mix. Um, I've really enjoyed uh, recruiting straight from CNA school. Um, we had an incredible uh, teammate who joined our team 
uh, had no experience, had been an Apple genius, and was really looking for purpose, went through CNA school. And I love that. <laughs> was such an MVP of a, of a, a staff member during some tough times this past year. Um, but, but it's a total mix. There's also incredible staff members who have been doing this for 10, 15 years. One thing that's interesting and tied to my thesis around like where to why I believe residential care homes are the future of senior housing is around the the nature of uh, these jobs. So people don't turn over in the same way in home care as in home care and assisted living. Uh, we have staff members who have been here for since it, since it opened. Oh, wow. Um, so and the reason for that is it's a family setting. You really get to know five to ten residents. Uh, and their families and the staff, and you're in a nice setting, and you're not stretched thin over, you know, caring for 20 people. You're caring for five, and that's doable and that's sustainable. And I think that's one of the reasons why I'm so bullish on residential care is really pragmatically being like, okay, what are we going to do about the 40 million people who are coming into the market? Yeah. And the fact that this was already the most in demand job before COVID. Like, <laughs> what are we going to do? And yeah. that's one of the reasons why is because I think it can really create a great job and I envision a world where over time we can bring, uh, and similar to Chick-fil-A, can we bring caregivers through the homestay, like rotational, six, 12 month rotational program and help them move through to the extent that people want to, sure. whether it's becoming uh, an owner, like an operator of one or being on the marketing side or the sales side. Yeah. Um, so I can see it really being a pathway to the American dream. I love that. I love that so much. And, you know, Josh and I talk so often about that um, the senior housing industry really needs great people um, in so many different positions, right? You can have a marketing degree background, you can have an accounting background, you can have a real estate background, whatever that is. Um, It's not just, um, you know, I'm a nurse, I'm a caregiver. There's so many different things. And I, I see this as really solving a problem. It's very, very interesting. So um, I guess before we wrap up, you know, for listeners out there that are just like, wow, you know, this is a very interesting thing. I'm going to, you know, we'll definitely put your contact in the show notes so people can reach out to you. Um, where do you see Homestay in the next, I don't know, 12 months? Yeah. So right now we have been operating two homes to build the playbook. Um, and we are well on our way to kind of Perfecting that um, as we iterate and building a like a family app that the families use when they're onboarding, that creates a better experience for them and more transparency into what's going on in the home, um, and really starting to take okay, here's this playbook, and uh, creating an operating system that we can then uh, provide to the operators of the next ten homes. So, step one is let's let's get these two homes filled and prove that people will pay a premium price for a premium product. And then thinking about how do we get to the next 10 and how do we get to the next 100. Um, so that's really where, where, where we're focused is first these two um, and then uh, with an eye on kind of the future there. I love it. It's complicated, right? <laughs> Just like many things that is um, really worthy to go after. It's not easy. And uh, I really admire your tenacity and um, your heart and vision behind it. So Rafi, thanks so much for spending time with uh, Bridge the Gap today. And here in Houston, we're having a good time. And you came to our event last night. Oh yeah, very fun. And you also went to our VIP event 
And I, you know, I was telling Justin, Sarah, you know, the interesting thing about Rafi, every time I turned around, there was a big key figure in our industry, a CEO, a big C-suite type person that was, you weren't talking to them. They were talking to you. <laughs> they wanted to know more about you. Um, so I think that there's, uh, some sort of, a, there's definitely, um, I don't know, there's a mojo, there's an attraction there that, that people resonate with, um, with what you're doing. So Thank we definitely you. wish you the best. We're going to enjoy watching your journey and bringing you back on someday. Thank you so much. And I'll say like, you know, the spaces that you create through VIP, that was my first time being at a senior care conference. That was my first time ex having exposure to some of the key stakeholders. Um, and you created that space that was intimate and uh, like a safe space that made me feel comfortable going up to people, like coming, knowing that I'm new in the industry. Sure. Um, and I think people really are excited to see people who have the courage to try something different. Um, and uh, I encourage other people to, to join this industry as well. That's a great way to end the show and this program. Rafi, thanks so much. Go to bggvoice.com and we will make sure that all of these details are in the show notes. You can connect with Rafi on LinkedIn and follow her journey. Thanks for listening to another great episode of Bridge the Gap. Thanks for listening to Bridge the Gap podcast with Josh and Lucas. Connect with the BTG Network team and use your voice to influence the industry by connecting with us at btgvoice.com.